0: Welcome to Ladies Who Lead Pod. I'm your host, Tori Zedonkiewicz. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Jess Doheny, who is the former managing director of the Mandel Theater at Drexel University. Hi, Jess. How are you?
1: Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me.
0: Of course, anytime. Um, Just to start off, I just wanted to ask, what has your career path been?
1: Um, Well, uh, going way back uh, to college, I started college as a music major, music education at Westminster Choir College, and after one year decided I absolutely did not want to become a music teacher. Um, So I, I transferred out of Westminster and into Rutgers University and had no idea what I was going to do. Um, but while I was there, I, uh, I finished out a music minor and I helped form a student run theater company. And so got very active with that. Um, and I had always done theater and, and you know choir and all of that in through high school. So I, I knew it was going to be something in the arts. Um, although at the time, I also thought, I really want to make some money which that's <laughs> that didn't quite work out uh so well but um you know and and uh I also was working as a music librarian while I was there and uh you know so when it got to be like the end of my senior year and I really had no idea what I was going to do and my my mom said to me you know you should really look into arts administration i think that you'd be really good at that and you know not wanting to listen to my mom i was like yeah 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 but of course i she was right and um I ended up, uh, I knew that I was going to move back to the Philly area because my fiancé lived here. Um, and so I was looking at theater, introductory level theater jobs in Philadelphia, and I came across the the apprenticeship at The Walnut. And it really actually seemed like the perfect thing for me um, as a next step for uh, what I had already been doing at the student-run theater company Um in college. So I became the general management apprentice there. And um, and then I just sort of never left for a while. Uh, the, the person that I was working directly under um, told me at the end of my year that he would be leaving and he was going to recommend me to replace him. And so I ended up working there for uh, about 12 years and as the the company manager and the assistant to the managing director. And you know, for this large size organization, it is they don't have a huge staff. So, so working in that office, I really, really just got a hands-on education in a lot of stuff. Um, all of the union contracts and negotiations, and budgeting, and uh, they don't have an HR department, so we sort of were the de facto HR and um, event planning and all sort of weird side projects, like making a photo history book about the theater, which was super fun. Um, and, and I got to teach for their theater school and I got to understudy for their productions and, you know, just sort of anything and everything that my heart wanted to do. Um, and, and it was great and, and, um, you know, made a lot of really key relationships, um, right out of college, and. Um, you know, got to really network within the Philly theater community. So that was awesome. And then, you know, after more than a decade there, I decided it was, it was time for me to kind of expand. Um, But there was just no opportunity for growth. Um, So I spent a very short period of time as an executive director at a small um, performing arts center in South Jersey. I was only there for eight months and realized after about the first month that I didn't want to be there anymore (laughs) so quickly decided I needed to come back to Philadelphia I really wanted to come back to a place that uh had some experience this place was brand new and and uh didn't care for their board very much so um came back and was the general manager at Lantern Theater Company for a couple of seasons which was awesome um, and again, just great opportunity to network and make some really lifelong relationships, um, from that. Uh, and then, you know, after, after a few years of that, I really felt like I needed to look for something. Um, you know, I had a couple of kids at that time and wanted something with a little bit more, st- not stability necessarily, but you know, some benefits and some, some <sighs> security for my family. So, um, under the wise advice of a dear friend, because I was really struggling with like leaving theater. Um, he said, you're not leaving theater. You can always do theater. You just may not be called the general manager of a theater company anymore, but you can always be a patron, a supporter, a Barrymore nominator, you know, a, a performer. Uh, and I said, oh, that's that's so true. So it was like a little mini identity crisis that I realized it was it was just me. I can continue to do all these things so i transitioned to drexel not in the performing arts department at all i was in the office of protocol and special events doing their financial management <laughs> which was uh which was a great way to understand how university operates because that was a whole new world to me and i really didn't know like how many different colleges and schools and how everything sort of was interconnected and and um so that was a really great way for me to just understand that and also to be at a place with a huge budget and a huge number of people. I've never worked at a place so large. Um, and after a short period of time in that office, a position happened to open up within performing arts. And I sort of, you know, uh, made some, I had already um, a great relationship with Nick, the the director of theater there. And Um, we had known each other for years from the walnut and he sort of told me about this and, and he got me involved as an adjunct professor for him and so made my way in and it was terrific. It was a really great move. Um, and I did that for a few years and while I was there, I also decided I was going to get my master's degree and I, I got a master's in legal studies with a concentration in human resources compliance and, you know, it was sort of like the pandemic happened and, I was no longer commuting into West Philadelphia, which was really kind of nice, (laughs) and um, I I wasn't necessarily thinking I was going to make a change, um, but my current job opportunity became available to me, and um, it just seemed like a really great next step. I finished my degree, and it's, I'm so now the executive director of the Apple Farm Arts and Music Center over in uh, South Jersey, where I live. So, you know, it was sort of like I knew eventually my goal was to be an executive director of a small arts organization um, that does all of the things, not just theater, but music and visual art. And it, it's on a farm. So there's like some initiatives towards um uh, environmental studies and healthy living, and all the things that I just really love in one place, um, and you know, just it, the timing just happened to work out, and and it was my chance, so I jumped, and and now now I'm here.
0: <laughs> yeah. So between working for you know nonprofit organizations, smaller organizations like the Walnut, and then working for a large university. Even not just for um, the protocols and events department, but just for the performing arts, what was that transition kind of like? Because obviously, there's a huge difference between yes. the two.
1: Great question, um, and and I will tell you, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> I, I mean, there's great benefits to being in a large place, um, but uh, you know, when you when you're working in a small um, nonprofit, at least all the ones that I've been at, it's, it's so very hands-on and everyone really wears so many hats and, and, and your team, if, if you work well, are working really collaboratively on a lot of different things. And, um, and you can sort of control the pace at which you're getting things done for the most part. Um, and I found at the university, um, and I imagine to be similar at, at many other large very large organizations that it it doesn't really operate that way you can find your little niches uh where you can collaborate but the sort of just large scale size everything really moves glacially sometimes and it takes you know many meetings and you know 12 different people involved in getting a, a contract signed for example whereas when I was the general manager, I just signed it and it was done, you know? And so, uh, I, I learned a lot for sure. Um, but I, I decided <laughs> I didn't care for it very much. And I, and I really wanted to go back somewhere small, um, where I could feel my direct impact, you know, every day, um, which I, 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 and this is not a, not to be a knock on Drexel in any way. Um, I just personally didn't, feel that um very broadly so yeah
0: and it's so hard to feel your personal impact on an organization so large as a university like Drexel so I'm glad that you're enjoying your new position thank you (laughs) um so you've done some performing you understudied at the walnut you've managed and taught you've you've covered all the bases (laughs) within theater You know, how do you feel like all of your different positions, like from performer to educator to executive director, how do you feel all of these positions have had an impact on what you bring to, say, your role now as an executive director?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think, uh, and I hope this is something uh, that came through when I was teaching, I I think that um, it's to anyone's advantage to have a broad understanding of all the moving parts that go into making something happen. And certainly for theater, you know, uh, many people see what happens on stage, but they have no idea what's going on underneath in terms of the, what the rehearsal process was like or what the stage managers are doing. They are lifesavers, right? Um, You know, how many people had to sew those costumes or or build the props that are there, or you know the marketing team that had to and how far in advance they had to start working to put together all of this stuff that they're getting out and so you know i i'm not I wouldn't consider myself an expert in any of that, but I think that I've become familiar enough with an, so many different areas of it that I have a good understanding of how they have to function together, which so as an executive director, I think makes me um capable of being a good leader for a team of people to make sure that that they are communicating effectively that they are staying on track that we are thinking as a group about the longer term vision and the immediate goals um you know and then i i'm definitely a person who's not afraid to say i know this is important but i don't know enough about it to understand how to make it effective that's your job and i really i like to think that i empower my team to to use their skills to to do that really well
0: so later on in your career you, um how have you found we've talked about this before we started the recording you know finding the balance work life Everything else you're tackling, um, you know, obviously a pretty loaded question, but how have you personally, you
1: know, found balance? Uh, I don't know that I have, <laughs> but I I know that I am consciously working on it, um, which is a good thing. Um, I think it's interesting. I think the pandemic really, I know everybody says this, but I think it's certainly had an impact on me. Uh, slowing down and recognizing what it feels like to slow down because I, it's not something that I'm generally good at doing. My husband will say that too about me. He said, you just, you need to learn how to just sit down and relax. And I I just, I don't. Um, But being forced to do that sort of did make me reevaluate some things and, and say, how can I, Better prioritize self care and family time, and how can I really put some boundaries between you know especially working from home or now you know working in this hybrid fashion that that everyone's doing it's very easy to just work all the time um and I don't want to do that, and it's interesting too, I think um, getting the degree with in the hR compliance um, human resources, and now sort of trying to apply some of that as a as a leader of the organization i'm really trying hard to encourage my staff to Hey, make sure you're eating lunch. Hey, make sure you leave at the end of the day. You don't have to stay. Or, hey, yes, we are going to make um, flexible schedules for everyone. We don't have to do all the same thing or, you know, all be in the office at the same time. And in my trying to do that for other people, I, it is like a constant reminder to myself to also do that. So I, I think that's how I'm trying to to think through it. Um, I'm not always great, you know, but I've gotten better. And, uh, you know, I just also think... And I've said this before, too, but not that th- that the arts and the theater and what we are doing isn't supremely valuable. It certainly is, especially, I think, now. Um, but at at the end of the day, you know, we if if someone walks away and, and something wasn't finished, it's OK. You know, it wasn't the it wasn't the cure to cancer that we were like leaving on the table and walking away from. We We can come back tomorrow and and, and I think still, um, fulfill what we need to be doing.
0: Yeah. And I think the pandemic has had, you know, forced a lot of people to kind of just like take a step back and like slow down and really, you know, think about the impact of what they're doing, really take a step back and think about, you know, am I, am I making my job my life or do I still have a life outside of it? And I think, and I think that's such an important discussion that, especially in the arts that people have been having? Yeah.
1: I was going to say this and I know it's, it's been such a big conversation, like the 10 out of 12s and the schedule that, you know, 20 years ago when I, when I entered this field out of college, you know, the expectation is you put in your time, that's what you do. And it's evenings and it's weekends and it's, you know, and, and it's a very social sort of environment. And so, you know, it's fun and, and, I, I will say that, uh, you know, I was obviously a different person when I was 20, 25 and, you know, and then when you have a family and, and it, it, it not even necessarily because you have a family, but for me, that was that was sort of like a marker of change in terms of how I couldn't schedule my time. I'm not going to be available, um, you know, on the evenings and the weekends all the time and nor did I want to be. Um, and, and now that I probably could be again, I don't, I still don't want to be, <laughs> you know, like I've come to realize like, no, it's okay to, to leave the office at the end of the day and, and go and watch my kid play basketball or go have dinner with a friend that is not a work meeting, you know, and, and that those things are really important um, just to being able to go in the next morning and, and start fresh and feel revived, um, yeah. And I think the industry is starting to recognize that it's starting to shift. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it has a ways to go still. Yeah,
0: it definitely has a ways to go. And I think it's really important that you mentioned like the social aspect of theater because it's so hard. I I think it's very hard in the arts to kind of separate your work life balance because when I feel like people in the arts, maybe more so than other industries, are extremely passionate about what they're doing because it's been in their lives for so long. And I think when you add in the fact that, you know, so many of your friends are coming in to see a show, like even if you're, you know, working the administration end, but you're working a show, like it's hard to kind of separate the two almost.
1: Absolutely. And it's funny too, because I think sometimes... and this definitely happened to me a little bit is you almost get burned out on, on the art a little bit too, Yeah, because it really is. It's like, it is where your life is. It's where your friends are. You're spending all your time, but also then you're like, you know, I, I don't know if you lose the enjoyment of it or, you know, I, there was a long time when I could not go to the theater and, and sit in an audience and watch a show without thinking like, oh man, how much are they paying for like that number of crew to move the set right there? And like, I could not just sit back and enjoy the show. I was always thinking about it from the perspective of what my job would have been affiliated with the show. And it really took away a lot of the pleasure. And it's,
0: I attended a show back in December with someone who's a non-theater person. Like we did theater in high school, but now, you know, She followed other passions. She's um, in engineering Mm -hmm. and it's almost very refreshing attending a show with someone who isn't directly involved in the industry because, you know, they're not thinking about like, you know, you know, who, who's being paid, what, how did they make this happen? They're like, wasn't that an incredible, like end of act one? Like they are just like absolutely amazed with how it comes together and not with you know the bits and pieces of it, like from the business perspective. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. It is. It is a. It is a. It is a pleasure to to try to see it through the eye, the, the outside eye, and rem- yeah. reminded of the magic which we definitely can lose sight of. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Um. So something that we've talked about when I was in your class was gender equity and theater within the performing arts, you know, like, have you had any personal experience where you you had some setbacks because of your gender, because you were a woman working in a man's job? And I feel like in, I feel like almost in nonprofit, there are, there's a higher chance of there being women leaders than there are in the commercial world. But I'm just curious as to your experiences within the industry.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it certainly nonprofit is filled with with women, um, but I mean, uh, high level leadership at the Walnut is is not. So you know, mm-hmm. um, so I certainly started there. I, you know, and I didn't. I was, I think, too new at that time to really recognize, you know, uh, I think over the course of, of 12 years, things shifted in my perceptions. Um, but I, I will tell you a, a very specific experience after I left the Walnut and I went to that next job, that short lived next job, um, where I, I, did not care for the folks, um, that I was working for the board, um, and very specifically, uh, you know, I, I kind of got there and discovered all sorts of financial issues and and things that clearly I wasn't aware of before I went, or I wouldn't have taken the job. But you know, I started to question things, and uh, I basically was told, "Don't you worry your pretty little head about that." And <laughs> I was like, "I'm sorry, what? I'm 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 the executive director here. It is my job to." W- you know, be concerned with these things. And I, you know, but it was, it was literally the pretty little head comment that was so sexist. And I think that was my, my first personal real experience with that. Um, and I couldn't believe it. I didn't even really know how to respond, to be honest with you, because I just had never been (laughs) talked to that way. Um, I, I'm fortunate, I think that I haven't had too many experiences, um, where I've, where I've otherwise felt that way. Um, and I think that I also work pretty hard to assert myself, um, maybe so that upfront people don't feel that they can speak to me that way because that, uh, that was just so negative, you know? Um, but I, but I think it's, it's very true. Um, not just in theater. I think, I think pay equity is an issue in a lot of, I think higher education is an area where it is a big issue. Um, and, you know, I, I, my, my best way that I feel like I can personally change that is to be a, a woman in power and to make decisions for other people who work for me that reflect, um, you know, my my value or my values that people should, should be paid, um, you know, equitably for their work. And I'm, you know, I'm proud to say I feel that I'm doing that, Um, you know, and I think transparency is also a huge part of that, which uh, I mean, many, many industries, but certainly theater industry is, you know, needs needs to change and everyone should should be more transparent. And I think that will help. Um, I think when you're not hiding it, it's a lot harder to make an excuse for it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I feel like specifically within commercial theater, you know, there's been a reckoning, um, gender equity, race equity, um, you know, and how theater owners, theater producers are making it a point to cover up the way that they do things for very specific reasons. Because if it was out in the open, it would be very clear that their practices were wrong and that they wouldn't be able to get away with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's it's good to call people out on it when they're not mm-hmm. doing it. And for those yeah. of us that believe it's important, we need to get ourselves into the positions where we can we can show, yes, you can operate this way. It's possible. Yeah.
0: All right. And one last question that I have for you that I've been asking all of my guests. What do you love about what you do? And or maybe like what keeps you going specifically within the arts?
1: Yeah, I well you know going back to a little bit of what we talked about earlier um when you when you can see the impact that your artistic creation i don't want to say product uh, devalues it has on someone else it, it it's meaningful and it could be just the opportunity for people to come together in a way that is unique where they can sit in a theater together and and be moved by the storytelling together even if they've not met each other but they're sharing that experience is so incredible and I know I mean not to bring it back to the pandemic again but I, I know that that's what I think everyone was missing it so much and and it's and you started to really like recognize it was just didn't matter what you were watching necessarily it was the fact that you were there doing it together and and you know i think uh you know where i work now is is very arts education focused and we do a lot with youth and i've always felt uh that what the creative arts allow for people but especially you can see it with children to do to be to bring out of themselves and to just be who they are and and have fun and experiment with something new and learn and discover is, it's just so important, you know, and, and whether or not that kid is ever going to go on to be in a play or who cares if they had this moment of experimentation and creativity and they, they learned something from it and they felt something from it and they discovered something within themselves from it. And I, I just, that's what keeps me going, you know, and, and most of what I do on a you know minute by minute day by day basis is none of that stuff. it's all the you know the budgets and the contracts and the h r paperwork and the you know but it's being able to understand that because I can. I can, um, functionally manage an organization that's able to produce that. Like my role is important in bringing that to the, to the world. So, so that's what keeps me going.
0: And I feel like we could also have, you know, a whole conversation about arts education. Like that is something we've discussed too, because, you know, those moments really are important and those moments really change a kid's life. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It was really nice to talk to you.
0: And that's all for today's episode of Ladies Who Lead Pod. Thank you so much for tuning in.